0: Anu, oh, no, can I just can I also ask, like, if you have a dirty dish in the sink, do you also consider something that's
1: legitimately filthy also infamous? Because that's a really weird use of that word. Yeah, I mean if it's in the sink and it's causing uh causing everybody to look at it because it's just sitting there in the sink, it becomes infamous, right?
0: Yeah, if you're if you're part of if you're part of the Nashti Giovanni Academy, just know Anu Kundal thinks that you are a dirty dish in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> this
2: is the Bunga Podcast.
3: Da
4: Podcast. So will you please welcome us?
1: <laughs>
2: welcome everybody to this episode of the Bunga Podcast. We have everybody with Saab on the call right now. We are here to talk about the first five seasons of our Best Sets of the Decade podcast. Everybody, you want to say what's up? My name is Ram. What's up?
4: (laughs) All right, hey everyone. This is Naina.
3: Sup y'all? This is Umar.
2: Hello, this is Anil. So on this episode, we are going to be going through the first five seasons of the decade. So 2010 through the end of 2015. And we're going to talk about some of the best performances from each season. Uh, We'll talk about each one that we put, you know, we all gathered our own crowdsourced uh, best performances from each season. We talked about them, we came to a conclusion on which one was the best performance of that season. So we'll go season by season here. And I'm going to hand it off to Nana to go through the actual structure.
4: So we had some rules that we put in place for how we were going to choose. We're only choosing from music sets, they can be from anywhere in the world. So it can be you know, American set, it can be an Australian set, it doesn't matter as long as it's a music set. So there are some really phenomenal live sets from the last 10 years, but we're not going to be putting those into this list. We are also eventually going to structure this as a bracket, very like March Madness style. And in the final bracket, there can only be a maximum of two sets per team in the final bracket. The season, as we are defining it, runs from August of one year to July of the following. The only other thing that I would add is that we are picking the best set from one particular season. So even if it is better or worse than anything in a different season, it's only be compared to the other sets that are in that time span that we've designated as a given season. And so the first season that falls under our decade is the 2010-2011 season and the very last one we'll be covering in the next episode will be the 2019-2020 season. So for 2010-2011, Bram, do you want to start us with what teams we've got on the table here?
0: Yeah, so we had uh, four teams that we were really thinking about this year. Um, the four teams, I would say, you know, 2010-2011, it's, it's pretty far back, but they were very memorable for different reasons. Uh, NJ at Bunger Idols is probably one of the greatest, in my opinion, uh, intro sub segments of all time. It's also one of the most chaotic performances I've ever seen. <laughs> There's a little bit of everything in there. Uh, I, I mean, everything. If you haven't watched the video, you should go watch it. There's hockey at the beginning of that performance. Um, but it is, there are moments of genuine, amazing creativity mixed in with some of the most questionable Bunga decisions I've ever seen, personally. Um, as JJ of VPD, which is a con- on a completely different end of the spectrum, um, it's a pretty outstanding performance from front to back. The dancing and the movement, which is, I think was atypical of JJ at the time, was uh, incredible. They beat a very strong NYPD, NYPD team uh, at that competition. And the dancing quality, mixing a lot of the DMV's best talent, is probably It's probably, honestly, one of the most talented rosters of dancers that we're ever going to see. Um, Nachi Giovanni Warriors at Bunga Musti 4. That's actually one of those routines. I look at that performance now, and I'm sure if you're a viewer and you go watch that performance, that performance could come back with some minor adjustments and probably win some competitions today. The choreography, um, some of the elements are very similar to some of the design choices that we make as a circuit today. And that's saying something, because that is 10 years ago. Um, and uh, the the dancing quality is great. They had a very awesome sub-segment, as well as a very cool Kunde and uh, Chimta segment. However, um, there is one last Canadian team that was, in my mind, uh, and I think the, the rest of our minds, um, the best team. And that was SGPD at Elite Eight. Said, why don't you talk about SGPD at Elite Eight and what made them so fantastic?
2: So SGPD Elite Eight 2011 is our choice for that season. And again, that season is the 2010 through 2011 season. And it's a multitude of reasons. Uh, I still think that it's one, you know, one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Like there's a feeling that you get uh, when you watch that performance that you're just like beyond wow. And... Being there live, I guess I also have a leg up in terms of understanding the feel of what happened that day. When they walked on stage, like when they walked under the little banner uh, and they were just walking to their first spot, you could just look at all 16 dancers and you just knew that it was over. Like they came to play, they came to rip everybody else's hearts out and they absolutely delivered. It's, a, it's, it's another thing also that, uh, that I'll say from a performance value perspective is that the aura of the dancers was just so capturing. It was so mesmerizing because the way that they danced, if you watch on video, the way that they danced and how crisp and clean that they danced was not as clean or crisp as PCBCA from that night. But it did not look that way at all. If you were a live viewer. Uh, maybe as a judge, because you you don't have that audience level just frame of mind, but from the audience perspective, it didn't look like they were any less clean than PCBCA, and that's something to be said about how you know how you perform Bungarda. And then from a set construction perspective, there's so much from that set that is still being done today. You know that was the first time that we saw uh, whenever the pink Jody and red Jody did that little running thing up through Sups uh that second drop during the sub segment where that idea of the mechanism uh the and they were opening their subs at each other like that was one of the first times uh that uh, we saw a team use something like that uh they had different flavors throughout the entire set where you know there was a lot of just choreographical based ideas through the sub segment then it was completely about the formations during uh the carto segment so they they had different layers and they, they and they added gimmicks right so there's there's multiple ways that they were creative uh, throughout the entire routine, it set so many trends uh, from there on. Like Everybody was using their songs. Everybody's using their ideas. Like You know where that idea came from, and it came from that set. So that's why we picked SGPD at Elite Eight 2011.
0: Yeah, one thing I would want to add on there, I feel like there are a couple more SGPD performances or this is like the beginning of the end of what we call the traditional SGPD powerhouse what really stood out if you watch this performance is um you know the mix of i think uh very traditional dancing or quote-unquote what was traditional or folk dancing at the time with very very modern elements there was there's a lot of gimmicky stuff in that performance and it's very hard to classify sgpd as either this quote, folk or modern team that a lot of people like, a lot of people like to have the conversation around, right? Um, I think of all the teams in that year, they don't really fall underneath a specific bucket. And SGPD is a style of its own. And while a lot of teams, I think, can fit into some common stereotypes or common tropes when it comes to dancing, SGPD, if you watch the performance, it might not translate to what is happening right now within the circuit but it's a very very unique and different performance and a different style of set construction and dancing than a lot of the other teams that we discuss on this list
3: to kind of go off of that like i mean as somebody who didn't really grow up watching these sets because i think i was in the fifth grade during this time um and she had idols there's this one video that i watched it's like a shaky cams 480p like literally a square pretty much a square and you know they have this de- the dumbest but like dumb in a good way ideas i've ever seen perform instead of my entire life they did they they, they did this thing where they started fl- like they did they let's fly and then they all like got up and they did this like playing thing and then they did an entire segment around kabuta Charles, and i thought like that was what like that was just such a slick slick idea that they did uh they had just so much formational movement that were absolutely fantastic and it's really weird to think that this is nj like, just knowing where NJ is now and comparing it to back then, they're honestly like completely different teams. I don't know. It's just like, it was just amazing to watch. And I really wish that that level of formational creativity was more apparent in today's circuit than it, than it was back then.
0: I also have always found it funny watching and comparing NJ Idols and Nati Giovanni Warriors at Bunga and trying to reconcile that these two dancing teams came from the same place. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch these performances back to back you will have not thought that these two groups of dancers uh, both competed together
2: yeah and, and on to 2011 and 2012 uh, the few performances that we pulled in from there uh, first I want to talk about uh, Bangadar Nights at Bruin 2012 the reason that one comes up is because that was the first time ever the projector gimmick was done Uh, So for all of you who do not know, the use of projector was not a thing until BK did it at Bruin 2012 and is still arguably the best use of it uh, to this day. Uh, The way that they integrated it into the set, there there was a standing ovation before they were even done dancing, and it was solely because of that gimmick. Uh, So even though they, you know, I'm not even sure if they placed or if they got third or not that year, because it was also the year that Empire dropped a dolly from the ceiling, <laughs> uh, so they were, they had some stiff competition. <laughs> but that gimmick alone, you know, every single team thought that they that they had gotten some form of highway robbery because of that. That in itself. Next, we'll talk about the Elite Eight from 2012. That year, uh, there was pretty awesome bit of hype coming into that one. Unfortunately, uh, NYPD was the only Toronto team that could come to that Elite Eight. Uh, but they still did an excellent job. Uh, JJ uh, is one of the performances that we had up for uh, being the best performance of all time, and that, that could be the best case for you know going first in a lineup being we're screwing you out of winning or placing it as a whole because uh, they did an excellent job. It was an, an unbelievably stacked dancing team. They danced really well. They performed really well. Uh, formations were incredible. Uh, but they did lose to another team on our list, which is UNC at Elite Eight, twenty twelve. Uh, you know, they were the college team that came out of nowhere. I think it, I think it's worth noting that they didn't get an Elite Eight invitation until like two weeks before the show, or three weeks before the show, some ridiculous amount of time before the show, because uh, SJPD dropped out, and that team that they pulled in off the street, quote unquote, came in and won the competition. Uh, they were on a tear that year they did uh but you know them pulling out the band was one of the one of the most just ridiculous gimmicks that ever happened to that point because uh, i remember i had a you know one guy that many of you know is Harmon Buell. he was one of our uh, co-captains on fcb he tied jj's bugs and he was texting me throughout the entire show at elitics i was not there that year and all of a sudden you know he stopped texting me during unc set and he's like they brought the entire UNC band. I was like, "That's ridiculous." That's, they, they did not bring like 85 people. Harmon, what the hell are you talking about? And he was like, "said they might win," and I was like, "Really?" Because he thought JJ was gonna win, but he was like, "said they might win because of that band," and then they did. So, yeah, definitely big shout out to them. But the ultimate winner for in our eyes for 2011 and 2012, the best perf- overall performance from that season was AEG Boston.
4: Yeah, AEG at Boston that year is the first time that AEG did the gimmick with revealing that they had a girl dancing the whole time. That performance, if you go back and watch that, I mean, everyone loses their mind. It's definitely got a lot of hard-hitting moments throughout the set as well. There's a lot of gimmicks that they, you know, rolled out for the first time, including the, um, like, the... I don't know what they were, like, ribbons connecting their gatos. Um, It's also just, like, a really high octane said, you know it's a really high energy throughout from all the dancers it's not the cleanest but they had so many moments that I think really were well received by the Boston crowd but definitely the one to top all of those is when Navi Sandhu took off her pug and it just like I don't know it just it I still watch that performance and it definitely means a lot to me as like a female dancer but I think it just did a lot to show the rest of the circuit that this You know, tacit assumption that there was some difference between girls and guys dancing was like just destroyed in that moment. And she just is such a sick dancer that I think that's like a memorable moment for so many people, even this many years later.
2: And I I think something that does go by the wayside when it comes to talking about AEG's history is that that group of dancers was unbelievably talented. Like that season was arguably AEG's best dancing group they ever had. Uh, And that's how good Nubby was, right? Like, like we always knew how good Nubby was when she was dancing on SMD because she was the, you know, their top Jordy and captain at the time. And then, you know, obviously it was a shock to everybody that, that they actually did it. And then we found out it was Nubby and it was like, oh, like that makes perfect sense because she is that sick that she blended so well. So other things from that year is, you know, I know, I know NYPD's lead eight performance did not make it into the list. Uh, you know, pro- mostly because of Jay, you know, we we all of us only had two, two options, right? We could only pick two performances, but I think NYPD deserves a shout out cause they did extremely well there. That mix the, uh, was really good. Mix was fire. The, the gimmick with the, uh, what the hell were those things on their feet? Uh, the ankle wraps and they, when they were sliding around on their feet, that, oh, was, that was nasty. That was
3: amazing. Oh, that
2: was nasty. Um, you know, and and again, it's arguable that they might have, they could have won that comp, but they were they were messy compared to the other two teams, and the judges, from what I heard, took issue with the ending gimmick.
3: Wait, that what do you mean? That was the year they did the Spartan thing, right?
2: Yeah, like
3: why why wouldn't you take an issue with that gimmick? That was well, I the think worst gimmick I've ever seen in my entire. Life.
4: Regardless
2: of it being worse, <laughs> regardless of it being bad or not, you know, like I mean. Regardless of it being bad or not, right? I think the the what, what the, do you mean by I, taking issue? Then they thought they were they thought that NYPD was making some sort of religious context like like <laughs> religious thing, which is which again you know okay, is okay. that's fair. I mean, to me, it was a stretch to think that to even
0: think that. It's like how yeah. do you know that this was a three hundred gimmick? <laughs> uh, but you know, I do also want to say that you know there's AEG Boston. There's also you know AEG the year after a Bruin was also fantastic. AG for that three or four years was great one of the most underrated aspects of aeg and something that i think that they were incredibly incredibly good at was they were the ultimate hype beasts when it came to previewing and promoting their performances they would say the most ridiculous things to everybody about what was coming <laughs> and you had no idea what was going to be on stage I remember specifically multiple competitions, members of AEG saying that we are going to dance eight. We don't know if we're going to make it on stage tomorrow. Like casually talking about like, you know, like animals on stage. Is it cool to do this on stage? Is it cool to do that? Like just the most ridiculous things.
3: Is this the origin of why Sid always asks, what, can we bring a live animal on stage?
0: No, that is actually a question that Vansity asked at a mixer for Bruin. <laughs> yeah, that's um, why <laughs> we will, we, will, we will, I stole Vansity's idea. <laughs> we will touch upon it. That's a different year, but um, AEG had a tendency to spread the most ridiculous rumors about themselves and it worked in their favor because they were doing also ridiculous things but i think That's it's really funny that, that none had... of the
4: things that they were saying were gonna happen like the the venn diagram of ridiculous things that they thought would maybe happen and ridiculous things that actually happened like those are just two different circles like there's no <laughs> overlapping there
0: it was i just i found it funny that um you know with all the great performances that the age, you got um had that is what i one of the biggest takeaways that i remember from that time specifically like unk, people like Unkush or sure unker telling me that they're barely gonna scrape away with this performance it's gonna suck this is so bad etc cetera, etc cetera. and then winning winning bruin the next day yeah bruin not even just winning bruin yeah bruin winning bruin, not even not <laughs> even winning bruin 2011 just beating everybody so badly at that competition yeah and then in the lobby just shrugging their shoulders and being like eh. Looks yeah. like it came together in the end, guys. The bog the bog
2: at the mixer is like, Yeah, I'm not dancing tomorrow. I'm just here to have fun. And then the next day you see him in full of bug is like, Okay, dude. is <laughs> like, Yeah, I don't know where Canel is. Like he hasn't landed yet. Like he he hasn't texted me in like five days. I don't know if he's coming. Like, like
0: <laughs> That could be true.
2: I mean that it could be been true. <laughs> 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 but there he was, dancing dancing the next day.
0: <laughs> All right.
4: <sighs> So, 2012 to 13 seasons, I think, where we're at now. Well, I guess to start, as we just discussed, AEG at Peru in 2013, that was a crazy set, again, in terms of just, like, high-octane moments. The laser kunde, like, no one saw that coming. Um, And then the uncle that they brought out at the end is top ten endings of all time. That dude marked it. I also want to shout out Cornell at WBBC, that really put them on a lot of radars because it was a collegiate team that just won over all these other teams that were definitely, definitely favored to, if not win, at least beat Cornell, and that did not happen. <laughs> um, it's a really packed set. They fit in as many gimmicks as humanly possible. Tossing sops, magically appearing Um like didn't is that the set where they did like thirty two Mizzas?
3: Yes, they did they they did many segments that could be considered the mircha. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, he was making he was making direct fun of Cornell and the way they danced. <laughs> yes.
4: I I'm not going to argue with that one. Uh, we've also got Bunger Nights at World's Best Bunger Crew 2013. That was I think one of the bigger moments from that set was the grenade gimmick, which was obviously a direct Fodge call-out, excellent use of that projector that they introduced the previous season. Arguably should have won WBBC, but that did not happen. And the set that we have crowned the 2012-13 champs is Fodge at Bell that season.
1: Yeah, and uh, from the teams that Nina just listed and that we came, all these sets were really gimmick-heavy sets. And for me, it just came down to which set, which performance really integrated their gimmicks well? Uh, one thing that everybody complains about nowadays with gimmicks is that, oh, people have to stop dancing for their gimmick to work or for them to set up a gimmick. And that's one thing that Fodge did well at this performance was that all their gimmicks they didn't have to stop dancing for. Uh, it just kind of flo- it flowed with their set, uh, especially starting from the beginning where they had the sandbags on the stage that moved midway through subs. You, if you watch that segment, uh, you'll see dancers that have to, like, not just go around the uh, the sandbags, but also, like, they choreograph hopping over it with certain moves. And even opening that sub segment, like, for me, watching Cornell pull out Quende out of nowhere, like, being, like, a magic geek and somebody who's really into that, I was like, oh, whoa, that's really cool, but I know how they did it. And then when I saw Fawj Bell, it's like, where the hell does the subs come from? They're just dancing out there, they turn around, and boom, there's subs out of nowhere. And that was one thing that really sold that set for me. Further down, like, they're... Jummer, like having I believe how many berkas in a jummer that they did? Straight, like twelve to sixteen berka, But still made it look flawless and they made it look clean. And at the end, obviously coming out with that with that tank is just like, it's, it's iconic and not just one tank this year, but two tanks. It was very clean and hit well.
3: Yeah. I still I'm, I'm still like salty AG everyone did not win this.
1: You're just have I, a crush on Priyanka Chopra, that's about it.
3: No that is absolutely <laughs> not. I thought that was <laughs> a <laughs> <laughs>
1: I
2: mean, there's some, There's also something to be said about, like, you know, that bell. Uh, Fodge beat AEG. Uh, mm-hmm. AEG did, they tested a lot of their, uh, not a lot, but tested a few of their Bruin gimmicks at that bell. I highly recommend everybody watching that bell because it's kind of
0: a funny performance for AEG. Uh, they Do did... you remember, you remember it took them, like, 240 beats to make Priyanka Chopra's face at yeah. that bell? Yeah. And then they
2: also blindfolded themselves for their entire Kunda segment, which went horribly Yo. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> dude, dude, I, we, you, you just remember, but like they were, they were still a good dancing team. They did some interesting things, you know, they knew they weren't going to place after that, but uh, are you sure they're a
3: very good dancing team?
2: They danced well. Right. Wow. But, and then, and JJ was obviously also a very good dancing team that night. Um That's one of the, also a great mix. Shout out to that, to that performance. A couple of performances and just teams overall from that season, Cal, Calahad was riding a high from the year before, and then they kind of fizzled out towards the end of this one. Uh, but they beat some good teams along the way. I do remember winning Berg and beating Tag and Cornell uh, at Berg that year. Um, I think this is also, I think, like the first season where Van City really came on. That Idols and at Bruin that year because uh, they got second to AEG that Bruin. Um, but yeah, like it, it, to, going back to what you're saying though, Umer. Far's just
0: absolutely just nah, wrecked. You're not
3: wrong. Like like Bell. they like that was a even though I have danced later a lot later along in the circuit's lifespan. I some, like again like cringe is a strong word, but I mean like you understand when I like when I watch these older older performances, it's some it's a little bit harder to appreciate. So the style has some, just like, really
4: changed a lot from some of these. Exactly,
3: exactly. Like it's dancing overall has just gotten a lot better than what this, the the bar, bar. for dancing yep. was back then. But even if I wa- even watching that Fudge at Bell performance, it's like no, nah, this is actually still like very very good. And so like they absolutely
0: did wreck it. Two things, one. If you're out there and you're wondering, how do I get away with beating up somebody on my team and making it look like a complete accident? The solution is obviously create a Kunde segment and blindfold everybody.
2: (laughs) Did you watch that? Did you just go back and watch that? I
0: did it on my phone just now. And (laughs) just put you and the person you don't like next to each other and just dance.
2: Dude, it was, really, like, I felt bad, but it was hilarious live.
0: <laughs> Secondly, didn't uh, Fodge at Bell have the whole situation with Canell's cell phone? There was, like, a thread devoted yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. to how his cell phone fell out of his pocket and, like, slid across stage multiple times, and he still managed to find it at Wait, the end sorry. of the performance, and what it still pocket? worked. Why was he holding? Yeah, why?
2: He forgot what to pocket? take his There's phone no out of his I'm pocket.
0: They had- Where should, no, did the they subs had, come from? Had-
2: <laughs> they no, have pockets. Some boys no, wear no, no. shorts. So
4: because,
0: I... No, no, because no, no, no. I also think it's because they got custom-made pockets in their vest. Oh, like gimmick doing, pockets. I thought it was just in no, his no, shorts. No, because they gimmick had to do pockets. the whole inside out. Thought... They had to do the whole inside out thing, right? So, Kennel is just one of those people who would do this. Right? <laughs> like, he's pretty sure he stitched pockets in his vest, which is brilliant, right? But he left his phone in there and then spun, and it slid out and it it like makes an appearance and it w- it was like um he turned it into a gif and it was a meme and there was like a story around it about how it like fell out and it got slip and slided all over the place and then he picked it up at the end and i think it still worked but there's a thread about that if people can find it if you're listening to this <laughs> it's incredible it's a re- it's crazy how great old iPhones were from a reliability standpoint
1: uh so moving on is <laughs> moving on into the 2013 2014 season one of the teams we did come up with or we uh, want to talk about was Cornell at WBBC. Uh, this was really big because after they placed first and beat out uh, an, a, a huge upset over many teams at the WBC prior to that, the rubric became quote unquote Cornell proofed. And they still came out and beat out every other team that was there. I believe Ankile, they beat out uh, JVD as well. Van City. Van uh, City was there that year? Vansity and AG were, oh, okay. were going going it.
0: Was, was JVD there?
4: JVD was paired with UVA.
0: Oh, got it, got it. Got it.
2: Guys, DC and PA, their girls team b- battled their That's boys amazing. team. <laughs> well,
4: that uh, was the matchup. You, like, how do you. Did don't even cover I think he was supposed to cover before we just. No, no. No, <laughs> no absolutely not.
1: <laughs> Another team that we wanted to talk about was uh, FCB at Berg, and that was just straight up a clean, flawless performance. Uh, placing first at their hometown, so that was just like a really, a really nice performance. The last, uh, the last, and the winner of this category for twenty thirteen to twenty fourteen was the infamous NJ at Boston performance. And
3: Is it infamous?
1: It's pretty filthy. I,
3: I mean, I. You know. <laughs> I would say it's famous. I wouldn't say infamous. Infamous, feel, like I, I feel like if it's infamous, it's just like that's like Gugjagabrua Pioneer Pongra. You, like,
4: been... how long? <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, there it is. Yeah, I. We uh, really should is. have set a bet for how long it was going to take for Uber to drop that set.
3: Oh, uh, all right, <clears throat> yo. So NJ at Boston at 2013. The reason this set was a very big, momentous performance within the circuit is just because it was the fir- one of the first times where. Going fast and dancing at such a high tempo, high BPM, like performed and did well. Prior to that, dancing dancing fast was just honestly kind of sh- shat on. You couldn't really do it and perform it well and actually could, like have success as with your performances. And see, I want. I know you said like it was there was a folk shift before, but I f- I still feel like this is one of like the first sets where they had this folkness and it was, like was well remembered
4: i think it's fair to say that it solidified the folks yeah like it, it like, might have already been happening but it really because boston's also not the kind of comp where you're expecting a folk mm-hmm. team to win i think that really is what it mm-hmm. is
0: i yeah i mean you tell me it's, I, I was there here's the thing yeah. right that nj team that was very competitive was john mm-hmm. right none of those guys danced at that point anymore. Mm-hmm. You had the Warriors team that if you go back and watch the 2010 Warriors mm-hmm. team and you look at the 2013-2014 Boston performance, there are a lot of similarities. One of which is the dancers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> secondly is the secondly is the coaches of the team. And thirdly, like a lot of the choreography and principles are the same. What makes it, you know, very memorable is, to Nana's point, it's Boston, which had been known up until this point to be this weird you know, weird Emphasis and entertaining performances weird.
3: win. Emphasis right. on fucking weird. I,
0: I actually don't weird, even weird. know what Boston stands for as a competition ever, because it just just selectively chooses every year to be mm-hmm. just picking a team that some, in some cases may be contrarian to what was the year before. But then also, too, it was, um, I think, a statement by, I think, a lot of the Canadian teams and the academy teams in particular, like Natchi Javon and the academy, saying that, hey, we're going to strip out a lot of what made Nets the great the last 4 to 5 years and we're going to take this down a different direction and then you saw every to the team from then on which let's be let's be real there's like NJFL and insert whatever other letters you want to put after NJ right there's been like variations of that and they've all followed the Warriors kind of mantra in that style versus the traditional NJ style right and you know, I I don't want to say this in in a negative way, but I think the fact that this set was also very very short because Boston makes their sets very short, also made this a memorable set because it allowed them to go really really fast, do a lot of crazy and creative things, keep it to six minutes. It was like a perfect amount of time to do all the things that they wanted to do. Right? I don't want to people talk about it as some sort of like folk referendum. Like it had already been there. Like this this is. Like, this is discounting, like, the JJ at Elite Eight, you know. That's It's not the same. It's a different pace and a different style, but it's still a very dance-focused style. This is just the first time where one of those elite teams had kind of died, like, the old-school NJ team had died doing all this weird... I I don't want to call it weird, but, like, very, very creative things that people would probably call weird or antithetical to what this new NJ team was like and was being replaced by a team that was purely dancing i still remember i think bogle vlogging on a btf and just saying the old nj is dead we are not doing gimmicks or anything gimmicky anymore we were we are only going to focus on dancing from here on out and that was like a statement to everybody that you know all the toronto academies like the the nj academy in particular was only going to focus on dancing and that's all you're going to see which was a huge shift because it meant that a lot of these really high quality performances are now going to be one way in one way only it changed what everybody viewed as what's possible when it came
2: to energy right it definitely changed my mindset towards you know being able to push myself as a dancer like if those guys can do it you know i'm definitely not pushing myself hard enough right it changed it changed the game in very many ways and and
0: you know on that on that note i will say that nj in boston is a and to me, a double-edged sword when it comes to dancing on the Bunga circuit. I think before that performance walks on stage, I would say like a collegiate team, an independent team, an academy, we're on a level playing field. You would still need to practice a lot, but you, would, you could put together competitive sets across a pretty wide set of creativity or set construction variables and still come out and potentially win competitions. And for those teams that really wanted to focus on dancing, like some of the teams that we mentioned before, you could still be very successful by practicing a lot and getting everybody on the same page and going out there with some tweaks and being competitive. And NJ just essentially said, fuck that. Um, We're going to take all of the resources that we have on the academy side, all of the practice, all of the knowledge that we have, and we're going to make it almost in some ways untenable for people to be competitive with us it shows like if you really invest and you get everything in the right position, you can put yourself at a level where, I, in some cases, people aren't going to be competitive, at least in that vein. Like, you're not going to be competitive on a, on a dancing level with NJ. And I think that's still true today.
2: Guys, who are we going with for this last set? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, why don't, we walk, who the why fuck don't knows? we walk through who's on the table first?
2: All right. So,
3: 2014, 2015 was a very contentious year for us in terms of trying to pick what was the best performance of the season. And we went back and forth a lot of these uh, performances. So we have GCC at TBC. Honestly, one of the big, this was one of those breakout moments and breakout sets for the the UK circuit as a whole. This was one of the first sets that really popped up on a lot of people's radars outside of the UK, just because of the crazy formational mechanisms and everything along those lines. FCB at Elite 8, at around two minutes, the music cuts off during the performance and they perform the rest of the set without any music and they only go off the toll. And that was a memorable moment for a lot of people in the circuit. And then for FCB at Brew in 2015, that entire season was very successful placing and, and winning at multiple comps throughout that year, but they all kind of hit their peak at Bruin in 2015 with Kunde dropping from the ceiling, the Sound of the Police segment, and at the very end, doing the jumps all around LA on the projector in coordination with the people dancing at the end. Um, SMD at Berg, also SMD that year, just rolled through everybody, winning pretty much every single competition they went to, most momentously, like winning, um, winning at Berg, beating... A very stacked lineup that year. Then there was also van City at Bruin. They had a lot of sc- a lot of creative ideas in that set, as well as momentously the platforms that they brought out onto stage and then danced on. All right.
4: So do we do we have a winner for this season, or are we still in hot contention over With? this?
3: I think we're still in hot contention over this. I guess.
4: So okay. I I will say that. I don't really know who I say wins. For me, it comes down to SMD at Berg and FCB at Bruin.
0: All right. So where's everybody at? Show of hands on the count of three.
4: On the count of three, raise FCB. your hand if you whoa, have whoa, a whoa, vote. Whoa. Like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> F- <laughs> FCB.
0: Thumbs up if you're FCB and thumbs down if you're SMD. Oh, wow. I, don't, I didn't mean it to be like that. It's just alphabetical. Oh, okay, it's alphabetical order. <laughs> All right. Three. Three. <laughs> Two, one. All right, it's SMD. Uh, I All right,
4: like... so we, should we just say quickly, like the votes for SMD were Rom, Sid, and myself, and Umar and Anul mm-hmm. went with FCB at Bruin.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I would say, uh, you know, from an SMD perspective, and I think the reason I, I personally picked SMD, and, and part of the reason why I feel that Nana and Sid picked SMD, is uh, when you think about it from a performance standpoint... There is, I think, value in being flawless, but being flawless and making sure a lot of your ideas come through in your performance. I don't think SMD was striving. I they. I don't. It's not even. I don't think it's. They were not striving to be uh, memorable with their gimmicks or really be focused um, on you know enhancing and having the wow factor external to the dancing. It was all focused in the dancing itself. It was also um, set up in a way where those moments, where while they might not be the most earth shattering or mind bending moments, there were a lot of them interspersed throughout the routine and they were all done very well. And I also think that the team, you know, one of the things that I I personally feel is important for a team to be successful and, and a hallmark of a really excellent team is that you know, at any given moment, I thought the team was performing at the exact same level, right? Um, when they do the chal towards the end and they move into the chal circle, it's like six minutes into the performance. There's a lot of, it would, be, it would be fine if they were gassed and people kind of dogged it, right? Um, but they didn't do that. You know, the ending segment, it's fine to like do your ending pose and not dip into it. And it would be fine if you dogged it a little bit and they didn't do that. I thought the set sub segment was really good. I thought the fact that they brought in some, you know, the uh, there was the pot segment. there was the Ramals that came out. They played to their strengths. There's a lot of very um, Gidda like elements sprinkled throughout their performance. Um, but I thought that every single time they tried to do something, everyone executed it the right way. And um, in a lot of instances, it showed the power of taking ideas and doing them the best way possible. And that, to me, is very memorable. It might not be the thing that everyone remembers. It might not be the set that everyone remembers at the end of this, but um, it shows the power of how every single segment, every single move, if done correctly, can amplify a performance greater than its individual pieces.
3: Yo, one question I do have, just... SMDF Berg is just, like, is just, in my personal opinion, like, just not the kind of set I really enjoy. So genuinely asking not like as not trying to be a dick here what were those no no like but like what are the moments that stick out for you in an smd performance because personally like me watching that I, i don't like we're talking about best performances and one of like one of my internal like things for best performances are like what are those like like hit memorable moments what are those things that that pop out to you that like i can say like yo this performance was crazy. Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? Oh my God. You know? Like I, for SMD's performances, that especially that entire year, all like what I generally kind of say is like, dude, the level of sync and like execution was fantastic. But I never, I don't, I, I don't think anybody really says, yo, remember that thing. You know? And I mean, maybe that's just like, I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. I'm just saying, help me understand why you think this is the best performance that year can Maybe i take like that or whoever so whoever takes
2: that i think uh because i do agree to a lot of what you're saying if not everything that what you're saying uber uh but i think the issue of this specific season is while smd was not aggressive at all with their routine when it comes to the set creation they executed flawlessly with i don't know it was just damn near perfect right it was just the position was excellent And I think the rest of, you know, looking at, you have to compare it to everybody else. It's a combination of how well you execute your set and the set creation, right? And I think that everybody else just, you know, didn't do enough to, to, you know, beat out SMD. Like, given everything that we are saying, given everything that you have said, why are we still having this conversation right that that's what it really comes down to for me it's like how like why are we still having this conversation Be- is because everybody else made too many mistakes or did did enough things in their performance to bring them down that's and again we talk about an overall performance see and, and i guess for like right
3: first again like the reason i'm having a hard time saying that smd was the best performance that year is because yeah, there were there were, there were plenty of mistakes in all these performances, but that for me does not take away from the, like at the end of the day, the impact of those performances was so dramatic that like I still can give it to them. And again, that's just a me thing. Clearly, I'm like I'm out I'm outvoted. I don't mind, but that's where that's where I have a hard time reconciling saying SMD was the best performance.
0: I think if you, I think the other thing too is from a performance, it is it is. Important to bring up the things that you talked about, Omer, mm-hmm. right? Like the memorable performance. People mm-hmm. do want performances to be memorable. Mm-hmm. I, I would say the hardest thing for me when I watch the SMB performance is not so much that I could have thought of all those things. I definitely could have thought of all these those things. I just question if I could pull together a really good FCB team, like a fantastic FCB team, if we could do it as flawlessly as they did it. And that's like a very valid point that I think is lost when you think about how good that performance is mm-hmm. for that year is, you know, you made the comment yourself, right? Like Berg 7 is the only time where you have never messed up. Mm-hmm. And we have been around for seven years <laughs> and yeah. SMD did it for three straight competitions in one year. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of, I think there is a lot of intrinsic value in taking very simple things and doing it better than anyone else can do it, which is what stuck out to me about that performance. Is I thought that if other teams did it, they wouldn't do it as well. That's as the thing. I think
4: that's what's really interesting with like even these, you know, these teams that we're comparing from the season, FCB and SMD. If you took SMD dancers mm-hmm. and had them dance FCB set, that would win everything. And if you took That would win everything, And if you took but... FCB's dancers and had them dance SMD set, they would not win. And so it just comes down mm-hmm. to like as people, what do we value? And it's like, comps, what did what did they value in that lineup, in that season? Um, and I think people are allowed to have different preferences in terms of what they think is important. Yeah, totally.
0: Just remember, Empire at Warrior Bunger 2014 has 9 million views. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: That's 9 million views. And so there's also a small part of me that has to respect what... I feel is what the audience wants to see. When you're choreographing your routine, you're not just making it for yourself or making it for your friends who are also Bunger dancers who might find it very cool and attractive, but you're also making it for regular people who will watch that. And, you know, I, I do think there's a lot of value in taking very simple choreography and formations with small tweaks and doing it much better than everybody else. I I think that shows a level.
3: I would say right there, though, you're contradicting yourself. Because I think people would much, like, I think the reason Empire performances do very well, I mean, other than the fact they literally have Academy with, like, a huge social following and all that stuff, it's because they have a lot of fancy, shiny gimmicks and really big, wow, oh, my God, how did they do that? How did I come up with that? That is amazing moments.
0: Yeah. And so, like... They're also the best at doing that. Okay, yeah, but I mean, like, like... that's what I'm saying. Like, what what I'm pointing out to is SMD is not SMD's is more on the dancing side of the house. Mm-hmm. And I still feel strongly that people will who appreciate and want a, more of an art performance out of their bunga performances will probably prefer an SMD performance because mastery of something is better than seventy five percent of it, right? Like, I there are people who come to these shows who. I had my, so a random story. I had my English teacher come to watch our performance at Berg the year that we lost the Nut di Giovanni. She still runs the senior place. She'll, she just still does musicals and she just still does theater performances. And when I got off stage and the competition was over and before the awards were announced, I met her in the audience and another one of my English teachers who I had when I was in high school and I asked them what they thought. And they thought everything was great. They thought it was super cool. And I asked them who they thought would win. And they said it was actually Giovanni because they were a better dancing team. And these are two white women from a middle school in Midwestern Pennsylvania who came and said they were a better dancing team. And they looked like they were a more authentic version of the dance. And therefore, they should win. And there are more people like that out there that I think you know. And I think in part, I have to respect the fact that people believe that.
4: I mean the crowd at Bruin just is wants something different from the teams that take the stage that night and so same thing with like the crowd at elite eight for example is I think the crowd at elite eight is usually pretty heavily other dancers and people who like know what's up with the circuit they're there to see like elite bunger mm-hmm. performances. so when it comes to talking about what the audience wants, I think it's just exactly what I'm saying like the audience wants a lot of different things depending on who they are and that sometimes, coincides directly with like what the judges value and what we as other dancers value and then sometimes it just doesn't
0: and
3: with all of that that, Rom, take us home
0: so across the two episodes we'll be dropping one performance from each season into a bracket but we know we're missing some amazing performances in those 10 So to spice things up, we'll be throwing in six other performances from the decade into the final bracket as wild cards that you can vote on just the same as the other performances. And there will be a voting process after the next episode to decide the best set of the decade. There will be links on all our social media platforms filling out brackets, as well as explainers and instructions for how you can even win some money for yourself or your team by submitting said brackets. Omar, um, why don't you talk about what's coming up next?
3: So on this episode, we covered the first five years of the decade. And on the next episode, we will be covering the last five seasons of this decade. And then we will then put all those performances into a bracket, which y'all will decide the outcome of.
4: All right. So with that, we have got our first five seasons, We've got those decided. And uh, we'll see you guys on our next episode for our next picks. We coming!
2: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bungerda Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser, as that really helps others find the podcast. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube—all of them at the Bongarda Pod. If you want to know what else is going on in the podcast world, sign up for our newsletter and join our Discord server to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. There will be links to all of those in the show notes.